Today we've come to the very last verse in in our little series in Psalm 23. Um, but first, I want you to grab a Bible and follow along as we hear this psalm read to us for the last time. Some of you might remember at the beginning, some of the children in our church did a mashup of Psalm 23. So let's hear them again, read Psalm 23 to us, and then we're going to focus today on verse 6. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leaves me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my heart. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me. All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, as we think about verse 6 here, I want to begin today with a simple question. What are your expectations for the future? Personality obviously plays into this and sometimes we talk, don't we, about other people being glass half full or glass half empty. But it also seems that we're living at this moment through some extraordinarily challenging times for all sorts of reasons. And I think there's a lot of anxiety about the future around. I do hope that you found this Psalm 23 helpful and encouraging already. But let's have a little recap just a little before we see how David addresses the issue of the future in this Psalm as well. I want those of you who are younger, in a sense, to listen up because I've always thought that David sounds to me like an older person, let's say, in this Psalm. Sometimes in life, we meet older people and we think that they're so attractive to us that we think, I hope that when I get to their age, I'll be like this. What did they do to mature as well as they have done in their lives? I think David here speaks from experience. This psalm doesn't sound like hopeful sentimentality to me. David has lived through many storms. And his life has been tested over many years. So I think if you want to live well, if we want to live well and to end well, be good for us to listen to David. Because what he believes and has experienced in his life has worked. If you were here at the start, we uh, talked about the psalm being a kind of detox and in just six verses here, David has touched on some of the debilitating and sometimes toxic poisons that can make their way 
into our lives. In a sense, Psalm 23 has been like going to the chemist for antidotes to things like loneliness, dissatisfaction, restlessness, busyness, uncertainty and anxiety, difficult circumstances and difficult people. And as David reflects on his life, all of it is meaningful. He has known in his experience the good shepherd's care and provision. He's learned how to be content. He's known God refreshing him and restoring him when he's been drained and exhausted. David has known God guiding him in all the details of his life. He's known God's presence in every dark valley. And God has reassured him when he's felt the icy blast of rejection by people who have hated him without a cause. This is a psalm that's written by a man of experience and it speaks of great satisfaction and ever-deepening pleasure. And I think this last verse, 6 here, is also a great summary of everything that's gone before. As someone who runs a business, morale within a team is a big thing and it can be hard over the years uh, occasionally someone has felt so disappointed that they want to hand in their notice and go and work somewhere somewhere else it happens from time to time but in this last verse here it is as david it is as if david is saying i'll never resign from this position why would he, he as he as he reflects he concludes that his life has come under the careful love of god and he pictures himself is a perfectly satisfied sheep. Why would I need to be in a different field? Why would I need to be under the care of a different shepherd? Nothing could ever be as good as this. That's precisely what he says here in verse 6, isn't it? I don't want to leave this house. I've been happy here. And I would be eternally grateful and happy to live in this house forever. On top of everything else we've seen then, this psalm is one that also throbs with future hope. The last issue that David confronts here then is the future. Of course, none of us know the future and it can often be the case that anxiety about the future paralyzes us in the present and robs us of strength and joy and hope what do we do when the future seems bleak i heard the story of a young boy in a church who looked terrible as he bumped into the pastor of the church after the service and the pastor said to him what's up and the little boy with his head in his hands said to the pastor, my life is over. Now the pastor thought this lad still had a good few years in him yet. So he asked him again, what's up? And the pastor discovered that the boy had had a fight in his Sunday school class. But two things made this situation worse. The first was that he'd started it. 
And the second was that his dad didn't yet know what he'd done. When he said to the pastor, my life's over, what he meant was, when my dad finds out, I'm dead. I have nothing to look forward to except being on the receiving end of my dad's anger. Sometimes we can live our lives as if this really were the truth. My life is over. There's no hope of anything good happening to me now. Reminds me of Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. If you're familiar with the Winnie Winnie the Pooh stories, there are a whole group of characters and they all seem to reflect different human personality types. If you don't know, Eeyore is the donkey and he's very clearly the depressive one. I tried to find a clip of, of this to show you, but there's one point where he's staring into the water And then he moves around to try and find a different spot. And he says to himself, no better from here. And then cheerful Piglet comes along and says brightly, good afternoon, Eeyore. And Eeyore replies, good afternoon, Piglet. If it is a good afternoon, which I doubt. Eeyore is kind of defeated before he even starts the day because of his perspective. Anxiety about the future dominates him and and so his expectations lower and his hope for the future seems to die and shrivel. But listen to David's perspective here. We've seen him face good days and darker ones. We've seen David fail. But his conclusion here is not anything close to my life is over. David here has found a great antidote to fear of the future. A great medicine, a great truth to get hold of that shapes his attitude and seems to fill him with a confident hope. In verse 6, David says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I just want to highlight three simple things from this last verse that are a kind of antidote to fear of the future. First of all, I want you to see that David remembers what God has done in the past and it inspires his hope for the future. So first of all, let's not skip over the little word here at the beginning of verse 6, surely. David has spent a lot of psalm as we've, a lot of time in this psalm as we've seen looking back over his life. And as he remembers how God has led him, cared for him, guided him, how God has been with him in the past, his hope for the future is awakened. As he 
looks back and then looks forward, he says, surely what he's doing here is drawing conclusions from God's past dealings with him. And so this psalm ends with him basically saying, even though I don't know the future, in the light of how God has been with me in the past, surely the future is safe in his hands too. There are, of course, many things we could point to in a more subjective sense in our own individual lives as believers. But there are also some tremendous things we can all together call to mind more objectively. In particular, we can see God's majestic, powerful love shown to us in the cross where Jesus died for our sins in order to make us his own. If you doubt the love of God for you, take some time to reflect on the infinite value he has placed on you, such that Christ would lay down his life in order to gain you as his treasure. Remember what God has done for you in the past so that you can say, surely if he's done this, he won't abandon me in the future. But David goes further here than just remembering what God has done. So secondly, I want us to see here David's focus on the character of God. David realises that the reason God has done what he has done in the past is because of who he is and what he's actually like. And he summarises this by calling to mind two specific attributes of God. First of all, that God is good. And secondly, that he is merciful or loving. Now, this is something really, really important for us to listen to here. We we have to work hard in our lives, not just to make stuff up in our heads about God or lean into imagining him how we would like him to be. We need to listen to what God himself tells us about himself in his word to us. We need to hear God saying to us, this is what I'm like. That's what we can build on as a foundation in our lives. And the reason for that is that our feelings and our preferences and our intuitions can often play all kinds of tricks on us. But God tells us that he is good. This goodness is part of who he is by nature. This is something inherent in him and it therefore shapes everything he does and everything he says. God's words and actions are always good because he himself is unchangeably and eternally good. And one aspect of God's goodness is his tenderness his love and mercy. Here, David describes the compassion and gentleness of God 
who doesn't fly off the handle in rage. He is a God who is patient, forgiving, a God who doesn't treat us as we deserve to be treated. But I want you to see something incredibly good and important here that may not be immediately apparent. Our English translation here says, Surely goodness and mercy or love will follow me. And I think we could skip over that and think that sounds a bit weak, as if goodness and mercy are somehow ambling along, sort of drifting towards us. If we were like Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh, we might say, Surely goodness and mercy will lag behind me all my days. But the Hebrew word that David uses here in Psalm 23 verse 6 is much more active than the word follow. It almost means, it it almost always means pursue. And it's apparently most often used in a negative sense to describe someone who is chasing someone else in order to do them harm. So David here is speaking of a much more energetic pursuit or chase, but ironically one that ends in joy rather than hurt or disaster. One author gives a brilliant illustration of this. Imagine you're driving down the M1 motorway and all of a sudden you see a red light flashing in your rear view mirror. And in that moment, for some crazy reason, you make the completely irrational decision to accelerate instead of slow down. I have to tell you, I did this once when I was only 18. I'd not long passed my test and tried to escape from a policeman and it it, it didn't end well. But anyway, you're committed now. And you're roaring down the M1 in the fast lane, trying to get away from the police. And as you flee, your sense of guilt starts to rise. And you even sense that all your past mistakes are parading before your eyes, as if they'd just been waiting there to make you miserable now. And on top of that, you're remembering that if you get one more ticket, you'll get a ban on your license and your holidays will be cancelled. Your job could be gone. And your car simply doesn't have the power to get away. And after this failed attempt to run, the police car finally forces you to pull over. You sit there on the hard shoulder trembling as the guy in uniform walks alongside and up to your window and says with a big smile you must have a real guilty conscience there and then to your astonishment he reaches into his pocket and pulls out your wallet and says that restaurant that you just left asked me to catch up with you and bring you your wallet that you'd left on the table and feeling like a complete fool as you reach out to take it. The policeman goes on to say, oh, one more thing. 
the restaurant had a draw just after you left and you've also won a free trip for two to Venice if you phone in your acceptance before noon today. Wow. Sometimes our view of God is that he's chasing us in order to give us a piece of his mind when actually God is pursuing us to lavish his goodness and mercy upon us. Often our difficulties arise when we think about the future because our vision is filled with our problems and difficulties and even with our guilt and shame rather than being filled with a vision of his goodness and mercy. So when you read this verse in Psalm 23, I... I want you to hear the urgency and passion of God in this chase. Does it occur to you that God doesn't hate you? He isn't chasing you in order to punish you. But he's pursuing you because he longs to show you and give to you the glory of of his love and grace. It's taken David a lifetime to understand this and his testimony here as an older man is surely the goodness and love of God will continually pursue me and keep on overtaking me and surprising me. The third thing we can see here in Psalm 23 verse 6 is the idea of turning our hearts towards our future home. David was a king who lived in a palace but this verse here says something about a much more ultimate destiny. Because of God's rich love towards him, David here looks forward to dwelling in God's house forever. As David reflects on his life, it isn't now so much that he wants the things that God has given him. There's this sense here that he longs and yearns to know and enjoy the actual presence of God. In short, David wants to be where God is. In the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, we get a glimpse of the future in vivid picture language. And towards the end of the book of Revelation, John, in, in his vision, say, says this, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I, I think in this verse, in this psalm, there's a kind of now and not yet thing going on. David was a man who lived his life here in this broken world to the full. But he also knew that he wasn't really home yet. His great hope was that as God had been with him here and now in the present, his great hope was that he would dwell in God's house then forever. David is telling us that the God who has been his shepherd throughout his whole life is the same God who will also ultimately bring him safely home to be in his glorious presence forever. My question was, what are your expectations? As we've been locked down, I do hope that this little series in Psalm 23 has encouraged you to look up and to trust in Jesus as your good shepherd, the one who died for our sins and rose again in power to pursue us in order to make us his own. Let's learn from David in this psalm to trust this God today and every day and for the future that he holds so securely in his hands.